to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My case is just so unique that no one really knows. So last resort at the moment is I'm on Zolodex. So it's an implant. It's actually they give to uh, cancer patients um, to just turn off everything down there um, and it puts you into early menopause. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I'm 26 and I'm going through menopause and, oh, my God, like I have so much respect for women out there that have already gone through it or going through menopause. Like that shit is intense. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Endometriosis is a crippling disease for many women. I am one of them. I was told I might never have children and that I would live with chronic pain forever. But is that true? Today we speak to another endo-warrior. You might know her as a reality star, Erin, from Love Island and I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. But what you don't know is that her body is riddled with the disease. She's had 16 surgeries and lives day-to-day with chronic pain. Erin, I think you're our first reality star. So welcome to The Deep. Thank you so much for having me on today. Everyone listening, if you watch reality TV, you will know Erin from Love Island or I'm a Celeb, Get Me Out of Here. You're the like spunky pocket rocket, (laughs) like little dynamo that kind of like you really blew up from from the reality TV world. Yeah, well, that is true. I think it started from Love Island. It just blew up from there. But we're actually going to talk to you today about something probably less glamorous, which is you and I are both endometriosis sufferers. I want to know now about your experience because it's a long one (laughs) with endometriosis. So tell us when it began. So it started when I was 14 years old. It started with a three kilo cyst on my, in, on top of my right ovary. Um, I hadn't had sex or anything and the doctors were adamant that I was pregnant. So just imagine me sitting in a doctor's office with my mum, my mum looking at me like, you know, what the hell? And I'm like, I swear, mum, I swear to God, I have not touched a boy. And, and then there's all that three kilo cyst and then I, um, 
had it operated on. And from that day, so I was 14, I was told by a doctor, oh, there looks like there's specs of what we call endometriosis, but it's probably nothing and nothing to worry about. And that was when I was 14. So I'm now 26 in April and I was only correctly diagnosed like four years ago when a doctor decided to biopsy, like to take a biopsy of the specks of blood. And I've had 16 surgeries and one of them have, I removed my left ovary. It's like 16, 16 surgeries. And for everyone listening that doesn't have endometriosis or doesn't know what these surgeries are, they okay they're keyhole I'll give you that but they are invasive yeah my first surgery so this is going to blow your mind so it started off with PCOS so polycystic ovary syndrome is what I was diagnosed with my whole my mom my grandma they all have it but then the endometriosis comes with that because I end up getting cysts that are endometriosis cysts so they end up being just a sack full of blood um and my first ever surgery was I have a like a cesarean scar from hip to hip um, I was operated on incorrectly. This doctor also fled the country um, because he was known, he was like not really a proper surgeon. <laughs> so, Are you joking? I mean, dead set. I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if I'm allowed to, but it was all over 60 minutes years and years ago. Yeah, it was full on. He's like full fled the country. He didn't know how to do the surgery he did on you? Yeah, like it was done so incorrectly, like the scarring. That's why I got a tattoo to cover the scarring because this is like a normal cesarean scar can kind of heal properly. Mine like sinks in and out, in and out, and it's really wonky. And they said, the the surgeon after that said, why have you got this scar? And I said, I had a a three kilo cyst. And they said, well, yeah, you should have just had it drained and then a keyhole surgery. Like you should have never been cut open like that at 14. Oh, my gosh. So this was an awful start for you. Yeah, and he also put in... um, a 14-day catheter that should have been a seven-day catheter. And one of the nurses, I don't know if anyone knows what a catheter is, so that you don't, like, wheeze for you. Um, And they, like, ripped it out incorrectly and, like, they ripped my urethral lining when I was 14 and I passed out. It was a terror, honestly. And I was 14. It sounds like a backyard job. I know, and it was at, like, a a proper hospital, I'm assuming, but that was, yeah, traumatic. But now I share my stories with others so they don't go through the same thing. But that is very uncommon, right? The the endometriosis ops that we're talking about, having, having, like, full-on internal surgery, as in, like, cutting your whole body open, that doesn't happen. No, that doesn't happen. It's normally your endometriosis, like you have to be correctly diagnosed by like a uh, keyhole surgery, which on its own, the, key, the keyhole surgery is not the painful part. It's the gas pain you get in your shoulder tip yes. and under your ribs. Like there's no drug to help that pain. Like that is, like, I can't even find a word to describe what that pain's like. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, I shouldn't laugh, but I've had it twice. <laughs> yeah, you understand. Um, it's like, um, so what they do is they cut little holes in your belly and then they use microscopic tools and cameras to do the surgery. It's quite incredible. But they blow your abdomen up with gas so they can see and then that gas has to go somewhere. So at the end of it, when they push your belly down, it they literally it's like a balloon. They just push your belly down, right, and it just goes through the holes that they um, have cut you open but not all of it goes out those holes and they just escape and stay in your body. And and they just have, and someone always said to me, Oh, can't you just fart it out? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it's not that type of gas pain. 
You do eventually fart though. Oh, quite like, a bit. It's, <laughs> I, and then they tell you to they tell you to walk around and you're like, I can't, I'm dying. Look, it, they say it's a small procedure, and I guess on the scale of things, it's not open heart surgery, oh, yeah. but it doesn't feel small because the removal, what they're doing is either lasering or cutting out huge amounts of endometriosis. And can you explain what that actually is? Yeah, so this is what I'll describe it as. Um, so, uh, and it, like the big word here is similar. similar. Um, so endometriosis is, a, we like to call it like a common disease uh, that the tissue that is similar to the lining of the womb grows outside in other parts of the body. So it's not the same lining, but it's very similar. But it grows where it's not supposed yeah, to. Yeah, and it grows. And there was like some people say that um, it just got, comes out of the fallopian tube and back into the body instead of like going the opposite way and then having a period. That was one. Um, oh. Like that was like one I saw that somewhere that someone wrote that could happen because no one knows how it's happening. That's the frustrating thing is there is no cure. There's no cure. No one really knows exactly how it happens and why it's happening. Um, but it, it is honestly, it's so common and it can be found like in so many different places all around your body. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. We all think that the endometriosis is just to the, um, the sex organs or the uterus and the ovaries, but it's, it can be in the diaphragm, in the ribs, through the stomach. It can be in your joints, lungs, brain. It can be literally everywhere. And how it gets there is what we're all like, how, like, how are you getting there? Mm. Has this, I mean, 16 surgeries, because I know even after my, I've only had two, which I think is a lot. After those, the recovery is tricky. Yeah. Time 16 of those, that's <laughs> a lot of your life. Yes. Well, I mean, main, the it was in 2019 where it was just one after the other. Like I had surgery within 24 hours of each other because I had a cyst grow um, and it was about to pop because I kept complaining about pain and everyone was like, it's just post-operative pain. I'm like, yeah, but this one kind of feels a bit different. Um, and then I had a cyst pop inside of me and um, it was just so horrific. I have all the stories. So what year were you on Love Island? Uh, 2018. So in, in so from 2018 in June till December, um, I was fine. I had I had surgery prior to that, so I've had surgery since uh, 2014. But before then it was like once every now and then or there would be a cyst and the pill would help it and it was like totally fine. Um, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if it was the bloody, the flights, <laughs> let's blame the flights after Love Island or the stress, but my body just went into like, I got uh, abandoned by surgeons who no longer want to um, help me because they had never seen anything and didn't know what to do. Um, so I was always left on my own. So I don't actually can't even explain how bad it got so quickly. So when you go on a show like Love Island and you're in tiny bikinis and yeah getting sexy with people are you bleed like sorry are you menstruating and bleeding through that time are you having an experience of endometriosis while you're away or even on I'm a celebrity get me out of here on both of those tv shows did you have any issues well on Love Island I actually had no problems I had like breakthrough bleeding every now and then so I would always be wearing a tampon which I know is not good to do 
Um, but I never really had a problem on Love Island. It was when I came off it on I'm a Celebrity. Um, the month before I flew over to South Africa, I got my left ovary removed um, and then I was on a different pill. And then um, I had real bad flare-ups on the show where they had to get me hot water bottles because um, obviously I couldn't take strong painkillers. And then there was one time we were coming back from um, a trial and I was wearing shorts and this clot just came out of me and I literally bled all everywhere and I was with the producers and I was with um like Ryan from the show and like he's a guy so obviously you know you get a bit embarrassed but they were so respectful and so lovely to me that I just couldn't believe that they were like yep this is fine like this is just what she goes through and we're going to respect and we're going to help her but see that kind of thing I it was so unexpected and it just I was just walking I didn't even feel pain and then once the clot came out of me and the blood started gushing out of me because I was wearing shorts it ran down my leg into my socks I was in so much pain how do they support your pain then so then it's just really I just tell them what I do because I was explaining to them like um I can go on I can take endone or tramadol whatever but what I prefer is the burning sensation of a water bottle on my skin yeah which I know leaves scars but like that uh, feels so much better than the the feeling that I'm like the endometriosis flare up. So if I just, I just needed a boiling hot water bottle, like without a cover on it. <laughs> mm, okay. And then do they expect you to like, cause that's the other end is losing a lot of blood. The aftermath of that is incredibly exhausting. Oh yeah. And I've been on those tablets where you have to take, what is it like three, you end up taking like three a day, three times a day or something and it stops you from bleeding so much because you, you need to stop losing so much blood. But it's like, well, why don't we just stop taking tablets and fix the actual issue? So what did they do then on the show? Like are you allowed to rest or is it Yeah, of, like- of course. No, they were so supportive. Um, I told them it wasn't really like it was pretty bad, but then within like an hour, I'm so used to it that they just gave me a hot water. I was like, that's fine. Like this, this isn't the worst. Okay, I haven't had a cyst burst in here, so I'm fine. It's so crazy you say that because I think we do normalize the symptoms and the pain and you go, oh, well, let's just get on with it then. And you're like half, you know, you're half dying and you're like, I'm okay. We'll just get on with it. It was the more, I think because we don't, because we had to do our own washing. The one thing that um, I was so embarrassed about was because I had to go up to the, like the little hut and I was like, um, I need you to wash these clothes because there's blood all over them. And I'm like, I would actually prefer to wash them, but we don't have like proper washing <laughs> facilities. And I'm like, so there's a lot of blood. And I'm like, but don't worry, it'll come out. Like, they're like, oh my God, there is a lot of blood. Like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, yeah, it's just because like it was a clot and a clot like pops. Yeah. And I'm like, so it just looks a lot worse than it is. But I think there is something to be said about the bleed you know, when you haven't, because there's so many facets of the symptoms. It can be nausea, diarrhea, constipation, um, bloating, this, every symptom, right? Yeah. Headaches, fatigue, all of the things. And then you get down to the things that you can't hide, which like you said, is the blood and the clotting. Yeah. And I don't know if you can, but I can feel myself when they pass through me yes yeah they're quite large correct honestly I know this is like I don't want to offend anyone but I've had a huge one come out of me once in the shower and it was like you would have thought that it was something else yes and I scream knowing that I can't have like like children's not a thing for me but I looked at it and I was in a full 
panic because it was so big and I was in a excruciating pain and then I had to go to the hospital and they were like, oh, you just had a cyst pop inside of your body. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And it's funny because they always bloody happen at the worst time. Like I used to host a radio show and I was wearing a super tampon uh, nighttime pad and two yeah. pairs of underpants and jeans because oh. you know I was just, just saving like, yourself you know I understand <laughs> it's not gonna happen today and then I had this hemorrhage bleed which at yeah. least that's what I call them I don't know if that's actually factual name or we can just call it that yeah because it <laughs> feels it like, like it yeah. and it went all the way through my that jeans onto the onto the chair and then you're like oh my god you know I don't have a change of pants I don't and I think the thing about this is we can we can hide a lot of the symptoms and the pain but when you're like you like you said you've got blood running down your leg in a public place yes exactly like what do you that's traumatizing I know and it's like but and I've had it happen to me at the gym and all that kind of stuff but then I think about it and I think well if we do like say these kind of conversations then if you see someone like that women like we're going to help the other person but even for men to be like we don't want to walk around bleeding like this mate trust me like something's gone wrong help me Yes. So let's talk now then about sex because that can be totally imposed on with endo. I remember my first, when I was first looking into this, that was one of the top questions, right? It's like, is it painful during sex? What is your sexual experience like having endometriosis? So because I have endometriosis and PCOS, it's like quite hectic so and it's so odd so you know you said you can feel like a clot I can feel when I have a cyst like I can tell a doctor that I have a cyst before anyone tells me um and like with sex it when I have a cyst it's like almost it's possible because like you do get like you know you find your partner interactive whatever so you want to get intimate and then you start to and it's just like it's just so painful and it's not like it's 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 up there that's painful. It's your ovary area that's like flaring up that's painful. And then your brain associates pain with sex and sex with pain. So then next time, you know, which is so hard for couples sometimes because the guy normally will be like, you know, well, what's wrong? Like we're not having sex enough. And it's like not that we don't want to. We want to, but our brains are now thinking, oh, that means pain. It's scary. You're kind of like if I'm in that because I don't know if yours flare up monthly or some women have it constantly. Yeah. It's a scare. You're feeling firstly vulnerable because 100%. you're in a lot of pain and you're bleeding heavily, but it's sensitive. And I think that it can really be a trigger for a lot of couples and it can really be detrimental. Oh, 100%. I've had, when I was younger, I had a partner before Love Island when this was all new to me, this kind of um, constant little surgeries and that, and then um, IVF spoken about and stuff like that. And I remember I had surgery and I was only with him for about a year and then I think it was like three days after my surgery and he was like, look, if we can't have sex, like, um, you know, that's why people go elsewhere. So then I had sex with him and um, I ended up going to the hospital because something had happened where I was bleeding too much because I, you know, I had sex, I had surgery three days ago and then my right leg had all this fluid and it. it was like triple the size and it was so embarrassing to go to the hospital with him and sit there and they're like, what happened? And it's like, um... 
I had sex. And they're like, well, why would you do that when you were told you should wait six weeks? And I was like, oh, I just felt ready. And I just. And because this dick was pressuring yeah, me. And I was so embarrassed. And then after that, and, and I was crying afterwards and I was thinking, I now looking back thinking, I hope no one ever goes through that because I felt so pressured because I felt like I was doing something wrong, but I couldn't help what my body was doing. Like I didn't choose that. So ever since then, I'm always like, no, like if like listen to your body and don't listen to a man just because he's horny. So you're in relationship now. Did you have to really explain this? Yeah. So me and my partner at the moment, we were friends prior. So he knew a lot about it, but he actually didn't know much about it. And then now he has seen everything firsthand. He actually cannot believe he is that good that um he's like changed. Like I've been laying in bed and I've bled everywhere and I can't get up because I've had surgery and he's put a pad on my knickers for me and pulled it up and, you know, changed my undies, sprayed them because they're stained and stuff. Like it's no worries and it's nothing's a problem and it's not embarrassing and it's spoken about it's that's like that is a a normal thing to do (laughs) yeah I think that's so beautiful and how it shouldn't be the word lucky that you've got him because that should be the norm yeah women are respected enough that when you're bleeding through sheets mate it's not the time and it's also I know it's about like communication and that but it is like an awkward situation because some some generations are just different and they just don't speak about things like that and in reality, there are there are other ways to like be intimate with your partner, but um, people need to just speak about that and be open. But I think just some people don't understand when we say it's it's painful, like it's really painful. <laughs> did you ever? This is going to be TMI again, but I know you don't care. I don't care. Did you ever, when you were using the bathroom, did you ever have severe bowel pain? Oh my god, I like I've almost passed out trying to use my bowels once because the pain was that bad I could and not because I was on like painkillers or anything even just normal days and I couldn't comprehend why this was happening to me like the it's like a sharp pain down there but then it shoots to your soul and then you just you literally you're in hot sweats for a quick five seconds and then like it, it you finish and you're thinking what the hell just happened <laughs> I've had that exact same thing like, and, I, and I found myself on the bathroom floor because it, I, black, I blacked out from that See, pain. that is crazy. That's crazy. And then, and then you think, oh, okay, it's time for another surgery. That was my thing is like, okay, if my, during my period and my bowels are being used and I'm passing out. Something's not right. Something's not right. And then you go to the doctors and you're seeing the surgeons and you're doing all of the steps to have surgery. And then they call in a bowel surgeon to um, give you the talk, which I I'm know. sure you know. Yes, where they're like, you know, we might snip into this and that, you know, a bag, you might wake up with a bag. You're like, I'm sorry, I'm here for one surgery. What, what's that mean? <laughs> like, help me. And, they're, and then they're saying, so what we would do with the bowel if we, because the thing is you can't see anything on ultrasound. They can 100%. only make the call when you're under anesthetic. So they're going to make a decision, potentially cut part of your bowel out and you will wake up with a colostomy bag. Yes. And the fear. So first of all, how disgusting is doing the bowel prep? <laughs> um, but the thing is, I never, when I've had to do so many internal ultrasounds that I've had to do um, enemas so frequently that I never had to do a bowel prep because um, there was no, there was never anything there. 
Well, you are so lucky because the bowel prep is I've just. I've heard so and I just knew that. I think it should be illegal because I have heard and I just think, how do you survive that? Oh my God. So the thing is, you do this bowel prep, which is this disgusting liquid you've got to drink for three days before you can only have like white bread, white pasta. You don't want anything with seeds that can get stuck in the like the bowel tract. And then you literally poop nonstop water for the next few hours and like you're you cannot so... leave the house there's oh, no way can... oh my no god way. no you would poop <laughs> on the street and, and blood blood running down the leg one thing but pooping on the street with like diarrhea no. Moment, no and so um you're pooping yourself so much you wake up you're not allowed to eat or drink so you're super dehydrated yeah and then you get there for the prep of the surgery and they can't find your veins because you're so dehydrated that the whole that whole thing I, I mean we're laughing about it but I know we should going through it just the bowel prep is like traumatizing then you don't know if you're going to have your bowel surgery and so yeah. you wake up and I don't know if this was the same for you where you're like <gasps> do I have a bag do I yeah. have, how far did we go? You know, yeah. I've just always just wake. I just wake up now and just touch my stomach straight away. I just pull it up and like you know how you wake. You go in with like weird knickers and you come out. You got no <laughs> knickers on and you're like, I don't know what's happened there. And also, I didn't realize what actually goes down in that surgery. And I didn't know that they pop your legs up in certain positions. Do not Google it because I am scarred. Scarred. I actually took, this is so weird, I documented one of my surgeries and I took a camera guy in. Oh, my God, that is actually such a smart idea. Maybe on my 17th <laughs> surgery I will have a whole, like, documentary crew there. And um, he could obviously only stand at one end of the bed, but <laughs> I can't even look at the footage because it is so weird oh. seeing yourself in that because it's vulnerable, you know, and you're putting your Well, hand. I did not realise how vulnerable we are in those positions, mind yes. you. <laughs> yes. So because I always thought to myself, I'm a bit sore down there because sometimes it's a curette. Did you ever get a curette? Yes. Yeah, majority of women might get that during um, an endometriosis surgery. Um, and I always wonder why I was like a little Clean bit. out for anyone yeah. that doesn't know what that means. Yeah. And I thought to myself when I was sitting, of course, that's a bit odd. Like I thought they did it from like your belly button spray, spray down there. No, they do it from up there and spray up. And, and it's terrible. Don't Google it. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The thing that happens, and obviously has happened to you constantly, is the growing back of the endometriosis oh, immediately. God, I know. 
So can I ask you why you kept getting surgeries? So what happened was I kept getting cysts. Now, normally, so I like to explain it in like a weird way. So normally, like obviously, you know, I've got overcrowded ovaries, polycystic ovaries, and then like the egg will mature and it will go down your floating tube. But I used to say it would like you would go down the slide, but mine never goes down the slide and it just like has a party on its own. And so then my cysts would just grow inside my ovary um, and they would, normally it's during an ovulation time uh, and it would go away on its own for someone like not like me but for me mine won't go away they'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger so the pain is that bad that I need surgery or it will pop um and for some reason they were just coming back so frequently and every time I was I'm talking well once was 24 hours and then once was three weeks Mm-hmm. Once was four weeks, and one was the other one, then it was another three weeks. So from April to November in 2019, I, was, I had six surgeries. So were you working during this time? No, so I was living just at home doing nothing but like, and like when they say um, oh, people can get addicted to like endone and tramadol, I was actually crying because I didn't want to take it anymore because it was making me feel so sick. But I, I had to because I was in so much pain. But every time they went in, they were like, Oh, so we found more endo that we just removed two weeks ago. Like how, how, how are you, how is it coming back? My surgeon, even he's like, look, I don't even know what's happening, but he's so helpful. Um, my case is just so unique that no one really knows. So last resort at the moment is I'm on Zolodex. So it's an implant. It's actually, they give to uh, cancer patients, um, to just turn off everything down there. Um, and it puts you into early menopause. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm 26 and I'm going through menopause and oh my God, like I have so much respect for women out there that have already gone through it or going through menopause. Like that shit is intense. (laughs) So hang on, wait, that means that you won't have babies? Yeah, so then this is where, like, um, there was articles written. So when I was on Love Island, I was talking about children and IVF, and, yep, that was an option, right? Because back then that was what I was told. And then when I come out, I was having so many surgeries, and they realised that my ovaries um, are so over, like they're, what is it called, over? Stimulated? Yes, already. Um, and so if I was to do IVF, the treatment for that is to overstimulate your ovaries so you get more eggs. And if I was to do that, that would cause cysts to pop so it's really like a catch twenty two. It just wouldn't, it just wouldn't work. So um, they said that. I, and sometimes when I have internal ultrasounds, it's like I'll have four follicles. Sometimes I'll have like twenty eight. And then they're like, we don't. Some of them doesn't mean you'll have anything inside of them. Like when you have egg re- removal and all that. So egg retrieval. So they said, look, it's probably not something that's going to be in your future. But you know, there's always a maybe out there, and there's always that one time. And I'm like, that's cool, but. There's also like quality of life. So, so now that you're on the, is it Zolodex? Zolodex, yeah. So I'm, I'm on my fifth month. So it's, you can only do it for about six months at a time, I'm pretty sure. So does that, does that now mean you can never have children or is it reversible? Oh, no. So it is kind of like reversible. It's just the eggs. So I had one um, surgeon say that my eggs are empty. That's what he called them. He's like, there's some in there, but they're empty. So, like, they couldn't be fertilised, if that makes sense. Is and that I'm like, true? I don't know. Like, that's just what I was told. I mean, but the, I, the eggs have to be removed from my body and, like, you know, put in, like, that lab and checked out and seen for themselves. But, you know, I might have nine follicles removed and only one of them would be, you know, able to see if we can fertilise it. But, like, that's 
something that I'm just not really into. Like, why would I take that one risk when I'm in so much pain? And, and why do I have to have a baby for everyone to be like, oh, see, she's a lady now. Is that how you feel? Yeah, that's how I feel because everyone keeps saying to me, don't worry, um, I was your age, um, I went through the same thing and now I've got uh, like two beautiful boys and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's lovely, but did you also go through 16 surgeries so young and horrific pain and like a baby's like I would rather give birth to my right ovary right now instead of a baby. Do you have you ever um wanted children? Yes, I always wanted children actually. I always wanted twins. I always wanted girls because I was always obsessed with like I've got nephews and nieces and things like that. And then slowly but surely over the years since I was younger it was always like it might be harder, this will happen. So then it was always kind of drilled into my head that it would be an option, but it would be a lot harder for you. And then, like, recently it's kind of like, look, probably not. And then I'm like, that's cool. My partner also has kids, so um, I'm just – I'm not really missing out on a family. The only thing I'll miss out on is that maternal instinct, if that makes sense. Like, you know how people see a baby and they think, oh, my God, like, I don't get that feeling. I don't um, either, and yeah. I'm pregnant. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't that. get that. I don't get that. But I was never really maternal, and I was told that I would never have children, which is so damaging, like, because I know that doesn't – I think a lot of endometriosis sufferers hear that. Yeah. It's going to be really hard for you. It might not happen for you. I think that needs to be taken out of the equation it's also not so damaging to some other people, though, because I feel like there's just this thing out there that um, if you've got ovaries, you've got to have a baby. No, 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 totally not. But I think yeah. if you want them. Yeah, and then and then there's the other thing where people say, oh, have you thought about adoption? And I think I've written on my Instagram before, um, no, I, I haven't thought about adoption. I don't want to. And someone said, oh, there's so many kids out there. Like, how could you do that? And I'm like, wow, this has been taken far. <laughs> So was there any, I totally hear you and your stance on you are a woman, whether or not you have children. I totally hear that. And I know through your trauma and your surgeries that this is a different experience for you. Yeah. But was there a time where you really had to sit with, wow, that might not happen for me now? Do you know, I really, I really haven't. And I don't know if it's because I've closed off that, that in my head as an emotional thing does that make sense because to me it's a medical thing so I've just closed off and I've had a doctor say to me like I think I need to see a psychologist to make sure that that like my head's right because it's just it's not a thing for me I've just completely cut it off because to go through what I have to to see it's so horrific and they don't even really recommend it they're like look it's like we we wouldn't even give you the IVF treatment. Like it'll just be the luck of the draw with an internal ultrasound, and if you have the follicles, and then we'll do the egg retrieval. And I'm like, oh, I kind of don't want to, but I've never really sat there. The only thing I've said to my partner once before, and it made me cry, and it wasn't crying because I was sad about it. It was like I've said, um, when I leave this earth, I don't leave anything behind. Where when you, which made me really upset, and I didn't, and I meant like when you have a family, you know, you're always, that's oh, you know, I remember dad or I remember granddad, you know, whatever. And it's like, I won't have that part because I don't, I won't be a mum or, or a grandma. Does that make sense? It does. But also you'll have every person you've ever touched. Has anyone ever said to you, it could just happen naturally, like a freak of nature? Oh, thing. no, absolutely not. 
And like my doctor said, if that was to ever happen, that would be a miracle. Like as in like a an actual miracle. Like an actual. Like it, it's impossible. Is it? Yeah. Like that would be absolutely. What part is impossible? Because because the, my eggs just don't go down. My eggs just don't go down the they side. Do. They just okay. stay in the ovary and they have a party and then they pop. <laughs> Got it. That's fascinating. Yeah, and like I once one cyst I had was a dermoid cyst, and a dermoid cyst has hair, hair, nails, and teeth in it. What do you mean? I know how gross. So it's a really Did big you see cyst. It? No, so this surgeon, I, I'm dying telling you this. This surgeon said to me, so I think I was. This must be my third surgery ever, and he said to me. <laughs> He cut open the cyst and he said, oh, if you were to ever have a baby, it would most likely have black hair because it looked like black. So he opened it. It was just a sack of black hair and and uh, and a bit of like nail fibers <laughs> like you find in a drain. Like, you know, you pull that drain. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. And I was like, that's kind of cute. So now how are you managing? You're on the Zola. Zolodex, yeah. And what else is that helping? Well, look, I'm five months in, and I can actually say that it's it's the best thing that it's done so far. The last four months was I was calling my surgeon, and honestly, he I can't even believe he would answer his calls to me, and I was just like cursing out everyone's life, saying this is the worst thing in the world. Um, but it has helped heaps. But I'm still taking like the strong painkillers on bad days. Like I I cannot not have endone in the house because when I say it's a bad day. Like I cannot stretch. I like I have to have my boobs to my 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 knees. It's a never ending. Well, I'm just like, how do you survive then? How do you thrive in life? How do you exist and function? I think it's more having. I have like a really small group of people that I trust and love, like friendship groups and family. And I think everyone just is understanding. Like if I'm out, I could be say at a birthday party, living my best life, and then all of a sudden I'm like. I'm in so much pain, guys. Like, I have to go. And no one will question it. And then sometimes I just have to leave. And um, one thing that is also a bother is I, I know this is so bad and do not recommend it's so dangerous, but I wear a tampon, like, pretty much 24-7 because I just cannot risk, um, like, a bleeding. I don't know when it's happening or – and not bleeding, just, like – a big gush of blood for like two minutes and then it will stop and I won't bleed again for like this is your existence yeah like so I need tampons 24 7 it isn't monthly this no I'm so sorry oh and it's like because you know obviously like a tampon sucks things up and it like expands so it's also like sucking up all the good bacteria and stuff inside my vagina so the and like I've had a test done and my doctor was like you've got no bacteria like like you've got nothing up there like so it's, it's a good thing but it's also a very bad thing because you've got no bacteria so it can't fight anything because it would also and I'm sorry to be explicit if it is sucking up like say you don't have a bleed but you're just the moisture and the healthy stuff then you're always drying it out that's exactly that's exactly what it is oh this is just awful have I mean I'm sure you have tried everything but you've tried nutrition and naturopaths well, and I've tried everything you've tried everything yeah I've tried everything um and nothing just seems to work I mean I haven't tried all of the natural things but I just think because I've gone through so much I think that's a trigger for me when um I'll meet someone and they'll say oh have you tried eating like these natural herbs or something and I'm like I don't know if my body will accept that if it's not even accepting painkillers at the moment 
How are you managing then your mental health? Uh, mentally, honestly, again, it comes back to the group of people and that you surround yourself with and also having a really good surgeon. When I'm having those days where it's, I'm like, this is too much. Like I have called him and he has called me back late at night and I've gone through the symptoms and the pains and the suffering and talked to him about quality over quantity and all that kind of stuff. And it is honestly just about talking. If you sit there in pain, the pain alone is terrible, but then the mental pain of it is even worse. So that's why it's so good to be part of a group, even socially, like online, if you're part of any endometriosis group or even chatting to me online. I have so many women that I talk to who feel alone just talking. You just really try to try your best, but then some days you just can't. And there's there's literally like nothing wrong with staying home with a heat pack if you've had a whole day of plans and you've just cut them off because you can't do it. Like that's fine. And I think we should also say that you are a very extreme end of the spectrum. Yes. <laughs> and not all endometriosis sufferers, or if you've just been diagnosed and you want some input, that it's not all like this. Some people with endometriosis won't even experience majority of this stuff or they won't even feel nothing um, and they won't have problems getting pregnant or anything like that. Like it's either like it's I like to say like on a scale of one to Erin, like how bad is your endo? (laughs) Oh, I just really appreciate you talking to us today. We'll put your um, handle and thank you. you. It's just been great speaking about it with you. Yeah, I think that we needed to have a girl talk about it that yeah. wasn't, you know, too PC for for mainstream media. Like we can talk about pooing and clots and yes, love that. <laughs> so thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh no, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this. We have a final question on the deep. Yeah, it is. Who are you when no one's watching? I'm a bit of a weirdo. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I mean, I like to just play music really loud and dance really stupidly. Like, you know, like silly dance moves that you would never do. Like, I like to feel, just let the body do what it wants to do. (laughs) Yes. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing your life with us today. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. 
During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.